0: On this episode, I'll talk about the disappearance of Kylie Rodney, I'll detail recent developments in the Zoe Campos trial, I'll read an article about a man who went AWOL from the Air Force, and I'll discuss a whole bunch of other stuff, including why people are allergic to certain fruits. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound Live. For August 15th, 2022. i just about started on time i think it was nine o'clock when i officially hit the go live button but now my computer says 901 so i guess there's the possibility that i was late but i don't think so thank you all for joining in for this live show it's of course august 15th 2022 which means it's been two weeks since my birthday and that kind of sucks don't know where the days go. I don't know where the weeks go. I don't know where the months go. I wish I knew. But it was just uh, yesterday that uh, had all the uh, happy birthday sign behind me. It seems like yesterday, but those days are gone. And we'll just have to wait for, uh, what is it, um, 50 more weeks to celebrate again. I'm doing good. Going to talk to you a little bit about, uh, of course, you know, uh, I always start off with these live shows with starting out with things going on with me, things going on uh, with, I don't know, disc golf, of course, and other things uh, that are going on um, that I've noticed in my personal, private life. Of course, not too personal, not too private. But we'll start out there as we usually do, and then we'll get to some unfound items, mix in some uh, national news that I want to talk about, uh, some mysteries and things. And then before we are all done, I will tell you a a little bit – don't want to ruin it – tell you a little bit about this Friday's upcoming episode of Unfound, which I was looking this up today it will be the 264th disappearance that we've covered on unfound. Now there's way more people than that because of course we've covered the disappearance of flight 370 what was that about 300 people just on that alone just on that flight alone. Of course just recently we had the Pickering 6 but as far as episodes the are the concern disappearances. 264th uh, will be this Friday. This, of course, does not include the Unfound Nows that I started doing over two years ago. And I think we're up, going to be up to episode 26 or 27 uh, by the end of this month. Of course, another Unfound Now will be coming out before, uh, or at least for members, uh, will be coming out before the end of this month. So We're doing what we can here at Unfound, and coming up on the 6th anniversary, it will be 264 episodes of Disappearances uh, since we got started the first Friday of September of 2016. Before I go any further, I hope you will give this uh, video, uh, whether you are watching it live or in the replay, Uh, a thumbs up. If you are listening to this on the podcast feed, I hope you will give this a thumbs up, five stars, whatever your podcast platform will allow you to do. That would be nice. You know this live show is going to be good. They're always very high quality. Just give it the thumbs up right now. If you are not yet a subscriber, I hope you will consider subscribing. uh, For those of you watching, that is right. That button is right down here in the bottom right hand corner. But if you are listening uh, to this, uh, think about going to YouTube, going to the channel, and subscribing to the channel because there are, of course, a lot of other things that happen on this channel besides this live show. And I, maybe I should bring it up that, of course, the episodes are converted into. Uh, Video episodes now that we're using Zoom, you get to see the guests, and that will, of course, be the situation this coming Friday. Uh, also, for this Friday's upcoming episode, I will be doing a map analysis. Very, very important, I think, to understand uh, the locations and the route that this woman was driving when she went missing. And, like I said, we'll get into that a little bit later. So please give this thumbs uh, thumbs up, subscribe. And if you're wondering, if you're looking at the chat right now and you're seeing those people with green names and they have these little stars beside their names, those people are members of this channel. They get special privileges uh, having that membership. For example, they get the Friday episodes a day early. For example, they get the Unfound Nows a week early. For example, they get uh, a daily update from me where I talk about what is happening with Unfound for that day. In fact, I just did that uh, right before this live show started tonight. All for 10 cents a day. So if you'd like to be part of that, if you'd like to, if those things sound interesting to you please consider becoming a member of this channel. So let's see who is in here before I get into some of the stuff going on in Ed Densel's life this week. Uh, Nephew Charles gets in first. Doing the family proud, Charles. Thank you. Hello, Kathy and Karen, Jasmine, Barbara, Stacy, Twinkle, Spleen, Paula, I'm going to be talking about Paula here uh, a little bit later. Paula, thank you for all the updates you gave me today. Um, Valerie, Stephanie, uh, and uh, DLV, what's going on? We'll celebrate your birthday again next year, Ed. I hope to make it to my birthday next year, DLV. Thank you. And uh, so everybody in here, thank you all for taking time out of your Monday nights, and it's, uh, I I have to admit, I'm still getting used to this, uh, this whole Monday night thing. Haven't missed one yet, even though uh, I went to Illinois and to Pennsylvania, we still got it done. But, you know, there is still a part of me that, you know, is still attached to those Wednesday live shows, but I'm going to continue to say it, it was such a a good move, uh, changing to Monday's. Um, From a standpoint of the the podcast feed, from the standpoint of my workflow and everything, you cannot even imagine how much uh, better this has been for me. So I'm glad I did that. So what is going on? Uh, You know, I always start off with the disc golf stuff. Um, Had no tournaments this weekend, but uh, did go play with the club yesterday. Started off really good. I was 4 under and I actually had a a a very very makeable putt to go 5 under and I missed that putt and I think pretty much after that I was like I think I'm losing interest and before we were done um I uh ended up going back to even so <laughs> from there on I went 4 over uh and finished at par which Really, overall, 54 Taylor is not a horrible score, and I was only throwing my mid-range discs, so discs that don't fly as far. So maybe that's not so bad, but I was four down at one point with a putt for five under. And then after that, I was just like, all right, here we go. <laughs> and so it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't count toward my rating or anything like that. So I showed up and did that, played with some good guys. Uh, The one guy shot really well. He shot a 49. So very happy for him. And uh, so I went out. It was a a good day to do so. It was overcast. Wasn't too hot out. There was no wind at all. And so it was a good time to get out and, and get a little practicing in. And in fact, today... I um, went out uh, this evening and threw a little bit and actually videoed myself. I want to take a look at my form a little bit. Um, Now that I can project uh, the the computer onto the TV, I can actually look at my form on a bigger screen and slow it down and see what what I can do. I, I do that maybe twice a year. And being that I don't have another official tournament until... Uh, the second weekend of September, I have a chance to do this and take a look at, uh, is is there anything that that can get get better here? Even though I think I've been playing okay, you know, and really, um, I, uh, you know, off the tee, I did not play poorly at Worlds. It was everything after that that is what got me in trouble. So I have to keep that in mind. As I continue uh, to play disc golf, and hopefully I'll have a good uh, rest of this year. Twinkle says, uh, "I know I'd say sometimes forget this is on Monday, not Wednesday. A creature of habit." Well, Twinkle, you're allowed to forget. I am not allowed to forget. So, I but I, I get it. And Laurel, I thank you um, for becoming uh, a member of this channel. And everyone should know, I don't think I'm getting letting too much out of the bag, Lorelai is actually one of the guests for this Friday's episode. Uh, we have two guests on at the same time, and Lorelai is one of them, but uh, we will get into uh, Lorelai's uh, disappearance, the disappearance in her family, um, later in this live show, as we usually do. So thank you, Lorelai. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. So that's what's going on with disc golf. I do have a uh, a one-round um, tournament popped up out of nowhere that will be this weekend over in Claremont, which is just about um, two hours away. Over there, like northwest of Orlando. And so it's a one-round um, tournament and it's a flex start which means when you show up, you know, you can show up anytime. There's no technically no starting time. You just have to show up between these certain times and then find a space to fit in to to tee off from the the first tee. So, uh, I'll be going over there on Saturday. This will be the first time I'll be playing this course in an for an official rating. I've played the course before uh practicing it. And actually, I was supposed to play it at Worlds last year, but I dropped out, (laughs) so I didn't get to play it. But um, I'm going to play it Saturday. Hopefully, the weather will be nice. Uh, It's a course not a a lot of trees or anything, but I wouldn't call it wide open either. It's kind of very much uh, in between. Surely not as tight as the one course was at Worlds but not as open as the other one was it was some it's somewhere in between so we'll see how i do under different circumstances probably i wouldn't have signed up given that it's 2 hours away and it's only one round but um, i need to start building up some points so i can qualify for world's next year if i want to go which and they'll be it'll be in arizona and i'm still many 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 points short so i cannot afford to miss a tournament that's kind of within driving distance. So I'm going to go over there. Um, Do I have a chance to win the division? I'm going to be playing an intermediate again. I think I do. Um, I think probably what's going to hold me back is this is not a course I've played very often, unlike when I won a couple weeks ago up at Floral City, where I played that course many, many, many times, played many tournaments there. And there are some locals in the Claremont area who I'm sure will be playing, and then certainly they will have the advantage knowing that course better than I do the ins and outs and feeling more comfortable. Um, But we'll see. You never can tell. So that's uh, what's going on. Uh, But after that, uh, I won't be playing uh, in an official PDGA tournament until the second weekend of September. And it's actually my buddy Dana's. Tournament. He is one of the tournament directors. If you'll remember Dana, he was the guy that went with me to see Judas Priest um, last year, and we had a great time. So it's his tournament. Looking forward to going up, playing Flor- Floral City again, and uh, we'll see if I can repeat the success from uh, a week and a half ago. Other than that, uh, for August and disc golf, it'll just me be practicing. Going and playing uh, maybe in the club, maybe playing doubles tomorrow if I have the time and actually Thursday morning I'm supposed to show up at a local disc golf course and they're doing some little um, like tutoring uh, people can show up and they get free disc golf lessons. Uh, I think if I can roll out of bed early enough that uh, I think I'll show up for that both to give people some tips but maybe get some tips. Of my own, because there will be some players there who are better than I am. So there you go. Uh, Fishing says, just catching up with a new deal. Got married to the best man ever, July 23rd. Wow. Uh, We both uh, lost our first mates, went to Orlando and loved it for honeymoon. Great job, Ed. Fishing, congratulations to you. Look at you. Uh, Of course, Getting married is something I'm never going to do, so I respect anybody who gives it a chance. And uh, very good for you. Uh, Maybe fishing being that you've uh, said that uh, you were in Orlando. Do you want to talk about – did you go see anything in Orlando? Did you go to Disney World to Universal? Uh, Maybe you want to fill us in on um, some of the sites that you took in while you were there. That would certainly – uh i think be interest uh be interesting to the rest of us so you can you can uh, type that out if you'd like uh while i continue this show everybody congratulating you tech death says cool win it all i am gonna try to win it all tech death funny you should mention that uh over there in claremont it's at a um it's at a course it's at lake hiawatha preserve it's very unique the course sits between two lakes very interesting um situation there and the course is not that old so um it's pretty good um you know i don't know if it's uh, i've only played it, like i said a couple times i don't i don't see it ever becoming one of my favorite courses but it's certainly worth it to dr- drive over there and play in a tournament there for the first time and see what happens um Stacy says, uh, LOL, Ed, don't blame you. As far as getting married, yeah, Stacy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for understanding, Stacy. Moving on, uh, here was something kind of funny uh, from last Thursday. Many of you know that I am on a trivia team, and it is a team made up of my brother Brian and his wife, Laureen, and some teachers from Largo High School. And over the years, we have won a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot a lot to the point that a lot of people have claimed that we cheat we've never cheated once we don't have to. Uh, but on uh, last Thursday, you know it's weird the things that I mean you I'm sure you experienced this as well but just maybe like weird trivia things that you know weird statistics or facts that are kind of just kind of just sitting there in your head. And you maybe don't even know that you know that, but then you hear something and automatically something like goes off in your head and like, oh, I know about that. That's this. But otherwise, you would never even think about it. And the final question. Now, we were ahead. We were in first place going to the final question. So uh, as long as we got it right, we'd stay in first place and, of course, win the whole thing. And the final question was, what is a funambulist? F-U-N-A-M-B-U-L-I-S-T. And I knew the answer, and I'm not usually one of these people that – You know, even though I've written a lot in my life, uh, written novels, of course, I write the blog friend found. I write the scripts. I've done a ton, a ton, a ton of writing in my life. I would not say that uh, I know a lot of words. Don't ask me for, like, the definitions of words. Once in a while, we have some trivia questions that have something to do. Well, this is the word. What's its definition? I'm, I'm not very good at that, even though, like I said, I've been using the, writing the English language for a long time, millions and millions of words over the years. But I kind of just stick to the words that I know. I don't try to go off and be cute or try to um, impress people with my vocabulary. But for some reason, I knew what this word was. For some reason, and I th- maybe um, maybe some of the other people uh, knew it too, but the guy who was filling out our answer paper was sitting right next to me, and really, as soon as the the question flashed up there on the screen, I just leaned over to him. And if you don't know what is a funambulist, pho- 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 a funambulist is a tightrope walker. And I just leaned into him, and I said, that's a typewriter walker. That's who that is." Now, how did I know that? Later, I started to think, well, you know, what is that? Why did I know that? Why do I know that word? Because I really don't um, think that I know, a, you know a lot of weird words and their definitions or anything. And I have to think it was because of... You know, I've been watching the Seinfeld episodes, and I made it through the entire season, and I'm starting with the first season again. They'll be playing on the TV back there, like in the background when I'm doing stuff around here. Whether maybe some unfound work, like looking up cases, things, I can't write with the TV on, it has to be quiet. But if I'm doing, maybe going into a database, or I'm going through a list of disappearances and kind of reading the bios and the descriptions and everything, I'll usually have something on. If I'm washing clothes, whatever I'm doing. Maybe I'm practicing my putting, the TV will be on. Well, if you'll remember, there was an episode of Unfound where there was a, um, it was called The Gymnast. Remember that one? Well, there was a tightrope walker also in that episode. And for some reason, I started looking up tightrope walking on Wikipedia. And of course, if you look that up, you'll find out the technical word for that is funambulist. And I think that's how I knew what that was last Thursday. It's so weird. It's weird how these things work. You just run into something, and then it pops up a trivia. It's just so weird. So I thought you might enjoy that story. Uh, Fishing uh, um, is saying uh, she went to the Magic Kingdom, Epcot. While you did it all. Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, stayed at Riverside. We wrote all we could make. Uh, uh, thank you, Fishing. Marriage is great. With right person only, Fishing says, well, you did the whole thing, Fishing. Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios. Wow. All right. Um, stayed at Riverside. Uh, sounds like a fantastic time, Fishing. I haven't been to Disney in, in a few years now. So um, been kind of busy and uh, just maybe kind of uh, watching my dollars a little more closely these days. But good for you fishing. That sounds like a spectacular uh, time. Not the biggest uh, in – when I went to Animal Kingdom, was not the biggest fan of that when I went some years ago. But certainly the other three, um, pretty, pretty good. Good for you. Happy for you fishing. Uh, Moving on. Um, starting to do a little walking at night. Uh, I've done two nights of walking for an hour at what I would say is a little brisk pace we, on an incline uh, in the gym downstairs on the second floor on the treadmill. Feeling good about that. Really needed to get back into that. That's going to start my plan of getting back into t- lifting some weights and things. I've gotten away from that. Um, so that's kind of the process. I mean, I have a gym in this very building. It's not like Gold's Gym or anything, but certainly um, good enough, and especially if you go late at night like I do. So um, I'm going to start getting back into that. am going to have to balance that with my disc golf time because the two really, really don't necessarily go together. Uh, lifting weights, and um, disc golf. So uh just have to watch that a little bit. But I'll figure it out. And I just also, on top of everything else, have to remember that I'm not 22 anymore. I'm 52. But I started doing that. I bring my headphones down there, listen to a little Iron Maiden or whatever. And I put the TV on, and I am just uh, jamming out for the hour goes fairly quickly and but you gotta remember, I hate running, you know, so being on a treadmill is like not the biggest I'm not the biggest fan of that, so I really have to amuse myself while I'm on there, or it can get old uh very quickly um fishing said animal kingdom was bad, wow, not just the worst of the four, but bad fishing, okay. Well, Disney better get on that. Sorry to hear that fishing, but huge fan of uh the other three. Hollywood Studios is spectacular. Epcot. And I know they've been changing Epcot around quite a bit since I've been there. Um and the Magic Kingdom is probably always going to be my favorite. I love like the Haunted Mansion and the Jungle Cruise and the Hall of Presidents and all that stuff. It's just so good. Um You know, I I I think that I've if I lived uh, closer, I would um, be there more. And it's Alicia, Alicia. If everybody, uh, there's somebody from my past right there. Uh, All of you in the chat, if you will see Alicia, I won't say her last name, even though it's there, because this is a podcast and it goes out to the world. But there she is, Alicia. And, of course, back in the day, I knew her as Allie. Uh, Allie and I used to work together uh, for, you know, I, I've talked about this before. Many of you know uh, that I used to work for a, uh, a Rat Pack show and a magic show going way, way back to the day, and like 15 years ago. That's funny. And um, Allie and I worked together. For all those years, and there she is. I think I think this is the first time she's tuned in. Allie, thank you so much for making time on your Monday night. I really appreciate it. Good to see you in the chat. That's, that that cracks me up. Good to see you. Thank you. Uh, but Allie and I had a lot of fun times uh, dealing with the musicians and the singers. And our Marilyn Monroe impersonator and all the magicians and all of that stuff. It was a good time. I look back on those days uh, very, very fondly. Uh, those were from like 2005 to 2009, something like that. I look back on those days. Uh, it was a really good time. Ali, great to see you. Um, Charles, uh, my nephew, says Animal Kingdoms is work. I haven't been there in years. Parts of the Caribbean is spectacular. Epcot, yes. Still Allie Allie says. DLV, I always stay at the Animal Kingdom Hotel when I visit Disney every few years. Off the beaten path in location, so much more quiet and low key, hardly any kids. <laughs> okay. I, I hear that. And then Allie follows up with your hair is longer now. Yeah, uh just a little bit, Allie. Just a little, little bit. But, um, but great to see you, Allie. I hope you enjoy uh, the live show tonight if you can stick around for a little while. Great to see you. Good to see you. But um, what's going on? Um, once again, a few other personal things before uh, I get into some true crime stuff is that one of the weird things about living in this, this condo building is that there is no assigned parking. And this is so weird to me because even when I lived in Las Vegas, like on East Tropicana, in a complex that was pretty, pretty, pretty average, we had assigned parking. Everybody had assigned parking, even in a place like that. When I moved to like South Rainbow, like Allie will know, like Rainbow and the 215, um, you know, we had assigned parking there. But in this condo building, where I live, no assigned parking. So sometimes you're scrambling. Well, I'm wondering if this is changing because a couple of days I went down there and they've started to spray paint these things on the the pillars like down there in the parking lot that say like row three, row four. And I'm starting to wonder if assigned parking is finally going to come to this building because we certainly need it. Uh, you know this is, uh, the the big deal is that there aren 't a ton of people who uh live in this building like I do. There are some people, but most of the people are just here for like a month or a week or three months in the winter whatever i 'm one of the few renters probably who live have lived there for over three years and then there are people here who live in this building who own their condos and live here well <laughs> when it gets busy. Uh, During the winter, the parking situation in this building is not good. Uh, Maybe I've brought this up before. And it's not unusual for you to pull in here, and there are no parking places, and you have to go to, like, the building next door to park. And I brought this up with the woman who eventually – who originally found me this condo, and I was like, you know, uh, this is like – Lenora's her name. It's Lenora. This is, like, the weirdest thing ever. You have this somewhat fancy condo building. You're right on the right on the beach. All of this. If you wanted to buy one of these condos, they aren't cheap, and you don't have assigned parking. So people that just come down here for a week or a month, if they get the best parking places, that's just the way it goes. But I'm wondering if that is changing. I'm hoping it is. So I'm gonna. Um, I haven't asked anybody yet, but that is something new that they've started to mark these pillars in row one, row two, row three, row four. And maybe that's going to be the precursor to assigning people parking spots in this building. And that would be fantastic. And I'm hoping I get a good one. So. Cause uh, it, it, it's just weird. I can't explain it. The parking lot is too small. The parking lot spaces themselves. Uh, It's just a little crazy. If you were to see this parking lot, uh, it's at the bottom floor. It's on the first floor and like half of the second floor. It is really, really odd. Uh, Whoever – this building uh, was built, I think, in 1986. Whatever they were thinking regarding the parking lot in this building is so messed up, I can't even begin to explain it. Not enough spaces. The spaces are too small. Um, the way they built this building, the actual girders or what columns that hold up the building are are in the way of the parking spaces, if you can believe it. I don't know. So I'm hoping there's there are changes coming. Uh, Allie, maybe that's why they aren't assigned because they don't have enough. Could be, Allie, very well could be. Um, don't know it just seems odd to me and um you know my perception is living here for over three years is that i've had people ask me about the parking and i've actually talked to people like riding on the elevator about the parking and and, uh, they think it's like one of the most bizarre things as well the parking lot is bizarre and then there's no assigned parking so um, that's a change that's going on in this building right now. I'll keep you updated on that. And then finally, uh, one more personal thing. Um, once again, as I said, I've been watching uh, Seinfeld. I watched the entire series, and now I'm starting at season one again. And early on, there is an episode where Kramer is eating cantaloupe, And as I've talked about before, uh, I have an allergy i, I can 't eat certain uh, fruits and things. I have food allergies, and they seem to be getting worse as I get older and so he 's eating cantaloupe there and it just you know and it just triggered that thing i 'm allergic to cantaloupe why so if you 've ever wondered why some people are allergic to that, uh, I actually looked it up because it was on my mind after seeing Kramer eating cantaloupe and i 'm just going to read something. Why am I allergic to it? The reason you get the allergic sensation when you eat things such as cantaloupe or honeydew, watermelon, they're all in the same family, is because the protein in the uncooked fruit or vegetable is very similar to the pollen protein that's found in birch, ragweed, and timothy or orchid grasses. Your body kind of confuses the fruit protein to the actual pollen from the birch tree, wag, rag, and grass. And I am certainly allergic to that stuff too. That is the reason that people have food allergies to those certain types uh, of fruits, cantaloupe, honeydew. And I love cantaloupe. I love honeydew. I can eat watermelon. I've never had any problems there, but cantaloupe and honeydew are like, and strawberries, no go. Can't do it. Cannot, cannot do it not going to get terribly sick or anything, but I I do get a scratchy uh, throat. And sometimes if it's bad enough, you start to get a little feeling of asthma. But that is the reason your body is confusing the proteins in the fruit for the pollen from those particular plants. Once again, birch ragweed and Timothy or orchid grasses. And Lord knows I'm allergic to all of those. So there you go. Fairy, mine's weird too. You get your own assigned spot, which is covered for $35, and no one wants one. Well, I'm hoping we get these things for free, Fairy. Uh, hoping. My family is definitely allergic to ragweed, Pennsylvania ragweed. Yes. Okay, Fairy. Thank you. All right, moving on. Let's get to the true crime now that we've uh, about 30 some minutes into this live show. Let's uh, get into the true crime part of this, and you know where I usually start, and that is with the discussion group poll that I type out every Saturday morning. Of course, the day after the episode comes out, just want to uh, you know, get a f- uh, feel for what all of you are thinking or some of you are thinking. What do you think about this disappearance? What happened? What do you think? And so for this week, uh, of course, with Brenda Davidson, uh, a disappearance that uh, I think is very much like Andrea Bowman's, very much like Alyssa Turney's. The poll question was simply, you know, what happened to her? Uh, You know, if she disappeared, did her father cause it? Did somebody else cause it? Um, Or did she just take off on her own? And an overwhelming uh, number of you, a a large percentage of you in the discussion group decided that, yes, Brenda's father did cause her disappearance. So in that way, it would be very much exactly like Andrea Bowman's disappearance. And if we're to believe with Alyssa Turney, her disappearance, and her stepfather, Michael, who has been charged, but I don't know if that's ever going to get to trial – um, then it's very much like those, exactly like those. And that's what uh, the people decided in the discussion group. Now, in the think tank, uh, many of you know what the think tank is, but for those new people, the think tank is something uh, that I conduct on Sunday evenings. Uh, Cherie is not in here, but she was the person who first came up with the idea of the think tank. Uh, she's not able to moderate. Uh, she's on a little bit of a road trip uh, this evening. But she came up with the idea of the think tank, and then I came up with the name. And this is something that is available to Patreon supporters, premium Patreon supporters, at the $12 a month level and above at patreon.com forward slash Unfound Podcast. So we get together on Sunday evenings, and we discuss the the disappearance for that week. And that has been going on since the beginning of January, beginning of 2019. Yeah, 2019. And uh, in the think tank, the consensus pick was that, yes, that Brenda's father caused her disappearance, just like the discussion group. So for once, the discussion group and the think tank are in agreement. A lot of times, that is not the situation. And then also at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, but for a lower price of only $2 a month, you can read what I have to say about the particular disappearances. I write a blog that's at least 3,000 words long this week and ended up being, I don't know, 3,600, 3,700 words long, in which I show people my analysis. I write out my analysis of the disappearance. And then at the end, um, I give my opinion on what happened. And so for this week, uh, in in a large part of that blog is I go over the reasons that parents end up killing their children. Whether it's a fit of rage, whether it's discipline going too far, maybe it's uh, parents who didn't want to be parents in the first place. Um, some children, of course, are killed out of spite if a parent is losing a custody battle. We know that that happens. Uh, I go through all of those scenarios in writing and uh, in, in just making sure that we all understand why parents kill their children in the first place because we have to think about it this way if children under the age uh, you know uh, under People under the age of 18 – children under the age of 18 is kind of like uh, overdoing it. The people under the age of 18, if they are murdered, most of the time it's due to their parents. It's not friends. It's not because they're in a gang. It's not because uh, of any other reason that they're around their parents, and one if not both of those parents caused that child's disappearance and what we believe to be a murder. So I go through all of that, looking at that, and then I compare all of them to Brenda's disappearance. And I have to tell you, I came to the same conclusion, that most likely he, Brenda's father, killed her. I'm not saying that he planned to do it. And in fact, uh, given what we learned about him, I don't think any of us would be surprised if, if we think that. It was a fit of rage. He didn't mean to do it, but that's what happened, and that does happen sometimes. I could see a scenario where maybe he had disciplined her before we know about how he had cut her, chopped all her hair off hair off a, a couple uh, years before that. Maybe he attempted to do that again, but you have to remember she's now 14. Uh, she was tall for her age, and it very well could be that she decided she wasn't taking any more of his crap, and she fought back. Certainly, certainly possible. So um, that's the conclusion that I came to as well. So it's it's really rare if you don't real know it, but the discussion group poll, the think tank, and myself all agreed. This is a, a once, uh, maybe 10% of the time uh, this happens. I think uh, maybe some of the other reasons, uh, not to put uh, words in any people's mouths who uh, listened to the episode and maybe thought the same thing. I think we also had to consider you know, how difficult it would be for a uh, a 14-year-old in 1974 to take off and start again somewhere. Certainly it could be done. Certainly. And it might have even helped that she was tall for her age. And, um, you know, maybe you know, she was 5'7", and she wasn't even 14 years old yet. She was on the verge of becoming 14. You know, we, we didn't get into that in, in the episode, but she disappeared like four days before her 14th birthday. But she was tall for her age. Maybe she could go somewhere else and pretend to be 18, 19 years old and get a job, change her name. Certainly possible. But pretty improbable pretty pretty improbable also we have to look at the the fact that of course she's never made any attempt to get back in in touch with her family she surely knows that she is a missing person if she is still alive in 2022 she surely knows that she is considered a m- missing person out of virginia but she's made no attempts to contact at least Lisa. This all has to be, you know, factored factored into this. And uh, we just also, as I like to do, and as I think many of you have started to do, as you analyze disappearances, you start looking at these ones that have been solved, like Andrea Bowman's, and you know that man, there are so many similarities. Dennis Bowman claimed that Andrea stole money from him before she disappeared, and of course we now know that he killed Andrea. And likewise here, the father of uh, Brenda claimed, yes, she stole money from him before she went missing. Is that a coincidence? What is that? Just enough uh, to believe that he did do something to her, maybe not intentionally. And then the question is, well, if he did that, then where is she? You know, I have to say that she's probably in a spot where he could go to see her often if this was something that was not intended. Now, if it was something that was planned he wanted to do this for whatever reason, then he would have everything planned out in a way to not get caught and, and all of that. Then it wouldn't be someplace that maybe is too sentimental. But being that I'm under the impression this was something that went too far, um, my guess, as Lisa talked about, he liked to go fishing. might think about starting to look around, poke around those areas all these years later of where he liked to go fishing on on the shore, near these areas where a boat ramp, near a boat ramp, something like that. I think it's worth it. Could he have put her in the lake? Probably not. Making uh, bodies stay down on the bottom of a lake, very difficult to do. A lot of planning, and you might get caught doing that. I'm inclined to think that he probably put her um, out in the woods somewhere near where he used to go fishing. Now, did the mother know? I'm pretty convinced that she did. I'm not saying she took part, but very much like I think all of us think about Dennis Bowman and his wife. I think we've all come to the conclusion that she knew exactly what happened. Andre, I'm not saying we're not saying she was there, we're not saying she took part, we're not saying she saw any evidence after the fact or anything else, but she just kind of knew. And uh that's the way I feel about um Brenda's mother and all of this. And then all the other things that she said after the father died, I think could really point to that. So that is the disappearance of Brenda Davidson. Uh, I will continue to Correspond with Lisa, if she'd like, offering my input, any help that I can give her. And uh, we know that even though this disappearance, that disappearance is 48 years old, we know that murders this old, disappearance this, this old can be solved. They certainly can be. Unfortunately, a lot of times it's by luck, but it can happen, and we're going to hold out hope for that. So that was the disappearance of Brenda Davidson. I thought Lisa did a fantastic uh, interview, and then she was very nervous. Uh, she was very nervous about how she came across. And as I tell all of my guests, if I think something's going wrong and the person's not doing a good job, we just shut the interview down. We stop it. And we talk about it. And I got to say that hasn't happened for a very, very, very long time, very long time, um, and it's one of those uh, – I kind of take – is it v- Vidal, Vidal Sassoon? Remember that uh, commercial from the 1980s, if you don't look good, then we don't look good? Wasn't that Vidal Sassoon? Somebody's probably can back me up or correct me on that. Um, that's kind of the way I look at these interviews um that i'm not going it it surely does not help myself or the podcast as a whole when an when a guest gets on there and doesn't do a very good job whether they're fumbling around for words or they s- just seem out of it maybe they seem drunk or whatever else that doesn't help anybody so that's kind of the way I look at it. I want that person to do a good job. I try to put these guests in a position where they can do a good job. That's why we have an outline. That's why we talk things out. That's why it's not live and everything. So, them looking good makes Unfound look good. And so, uh, it's a very much in my interest to get the best uh, I can out of these people. And I. I think they, even though they're nervous, um, they do a fine job. Moving on. Let's talk about, I know I'm going to keep doing this, uh, probably going to do this next week too, is just remind all of you of what we're going to be doing over the next about month of Unfound. It's kind of a um, unique part of the year in that we're going to be coming up. uh, Of course, we're going to have a regular disappearance episode this Friday, the 19th. But then August 26th, update episode number 12. So there's that. And then the week after that, September 2nd, we will be celebrating, which uh, is my brother Brian's birthday. That will be the sixth anniversary episode. Once again, just giving all of you a heads up. And then for September 9th, pretty, pretty, very sure. I already know what Disappearance we'll be covering then. Uh, I've completed the outline. I've uh, sent it to that particular prospective guest. The question is, I'm not sure that she has looked at it yet, and I don't have time to do it right at this second. But um, I know that we're going to get that done one way or the other. So... Um that will be the September 9th. Pretty sure I know what disappearance that's going to be for September 9th. It could change. But uh, September 9th and onwards, we'll um continue with regular episodes going into what would it be the, the beginning of the seventh year of Unfound. And I'm sure uh sometime in maybe November, going into December, as long as we can keep up, you know, people appearing on the program. Probably, uh, I'm sure before the end of the year, we'll be revisiting uh, another old episode of Disappearance that we covered early on in Unfound's existence. We'll be going back and uh, revisiting one of those. Of course, we did this most recently with, the, uh, of course, the disappearance of Craig Freer. That was an episode from 2017 uh, that I rebroadcasted back in July, right around the time that I went to World's. In Illinois. So that's what we got going on. August 19th is coming Friday, regular episode. August 26th, update episode number 12, September 2nd, the sixth anniversary. We we'll be replaying the first interview I ever did, interviewing Mary Lyle. And then September 9th, we get back uh to the regular business. Moving on. Uh, this is uh pretty much breaking news tonight. And I have to thank listener and think tank member. Paula for the um the updates that she gave me today and in fact she was in the courtroom well many of may uh, many of you may remember that this is August 15th today and that Carlos Rodriguez's the beginning of his trial was to start today with jury selection I remember all this, some of you're going oh yeah that was today well Paula was there And she had sent me a few messages of being there and some of the things that were going on. And what did I say? What have I been saying? I would not be surprised if he took a plea. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. Uh, They had about 80 people there for jury selection today. And in the middle of it, Carlos Rodriguez decided that he would, would plead guilty to the murder of Zoe Campos. And uh, Paula, if you're in here, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. If I got this, I hopefully I got this right, but if I got it wrong, please correct me. That what the jury will now be doing is the, the jury will only be responsible for sentencing him. They will not uh, be involved in determining his guilt or not guilt uh, regarding her murder. I'm not surprised by this. And my perception is that I've been uh, saying this for quite a while. Uh, And and maybe just came much more into focus within the last two weeks when uh, the judge determined that Carlos's confession that – he made back in 2018 when he was first brought in uh, was going to be allowed into evidence despite Carlos's lawyer's best uh, efforts to get it thrown out to get it rejected. Uh, I, you know, that was pretty much the the last nail in the coffin on that. That I I thought. But I'd been thinking this anyway. I just could not see him really going to a trial, given everything that we just know as the public, as the public, and and surely the prosecution even knows more than than we do. Surely, of course. And it just always seemed to me that this is a situation where he was going to ride it out. You know, COVID and everything else. Maybe something would happen. Maybe there'd be, I don't know, a nuclear war or something, and uh, they would put all trials off. I don't know. And so he wouldn't have to worry about uh, having a trial. Maybe they might even let him out. Who knows what can happen these days? Maybe an asteroid would hit the Earth. Who knows? But I always thought his intention eventually was going to be to plead And then maybe get a lighter sentence uh, because of it. And in in addition, at least the the way I saw it, what uh, what I had been told, maybe, um, Polly, you told me. And, of course, I did speak to Zoe's mother maybe a year ago or more uh, about all of this. And she had told me what she thought was going on, that he was going to try to claim that it was self-defense Or that she was all hopped up on fentanyl or something and, I don't know, seemed pretty thin to me. So, um, and what Paula is saying is, yes, I I got it right. And the sentencing phase, uh, as Paula is writing here in the chat, starts tomorrow. And they will get to determine how long uh, they're going to send Carlos uh, away for. Maybe... Maybe the rest of his life. I don't think any of us would be surprised by that. Now, in the, the bigger scheme of things, and uh, being that this is going to get wrapped up, it's very sad. Of course, we like to see these disappearances solved, whether it is a murder, whether it is a suicide, whether it is an accident like Esther Westenbarger. Um, but what does this mean to the overall way we look at disappearances? What does Zoe campus is? What can we learn? We don't want her to be forgotten. We don't want to or her, to or her to have been murdered in, you know, in vain or died in vain. What can we learn from this? And I think what we have to take away from this is that we have this guy, Carlos Rodriguez, who might have been very possessive. But really, at the time, I don't really know how much anybody really knew about him when Zoe and him. Remember, we have to remember this. If you're all new to this, Zoe and Carlos had just met for the first time that day, and they didn't meet during the course of like doing drugs. They didn't meet because they were doing something illegal. They met at a birthday party, a birthday party. And then later that night, she decides she's going to go back over to his house, and that's when he killed her. So we just have to keep in mind uh, for disappearances that are going to come up like Zoe's, young women and men. We have to remember, yes, it is possible that uh, a man and woman meet. The guy maybe doesn't have a criminal record, or maybe does, but maybe it's nothing violent or anything. Although there are stories out there that Carlos Um You know did have some things going on, but surely he had never murdered anybody before Zoe Campos came along. That it is possible for two people to meet at just some innocuous thing like a birthday party, and later that night the guy kills the the girl. Now, I don't really know how many uh, disappearances we've had like Zoe's since then. Uh, surely, uh, and speaking about Bre- uh, Brenda Davidson's, hers is very much like more like Alyssa Turney's and, um, and Andrea Bowman's. I don't know if we have so many that are similar to Zoe campuses, but this is something that we're just going to have to remember. And uh, and if to remind you even more so, the the Zoe campus's murder, at least the beginning when it was just a disappearance, uh was one of those the man said type of disappearances, and in fact, it is the one that I use as the prime example when I speak to college students. I give them a list of you know the type and some names and things. But when I really get I, – I use one as a prime example, the best example, and then I get even deeper into the the details. Zoe's is the one I used. I used it last year. I used it earlier this year. I'll be using it again this fall, and especially now that we know that Carlos Rodriguez has been found guilty and is going to be going to jail for it. So this is a, what we call the man-said type of disappearance. It's when a guy claims that, oh yeah, I was with this woman and I just don't know what happened. This could be between boyfriend and girlfriend. It could be between husband and wife. It could even maybe just be between friends. Um, and this doesn't have to be a heterosexual thing. It could be a homosexual thing. It could be a variety of different kinds of relationships, but I call it the man said, because usually what it is, is it's the guy telling a story Uh, That just doesn't quite seem to make that much sense. And that's, I think, the way a lot of people uh, felt about it since day one regarding Carlos Rodriguez. He said that, yeah, she left and was going out for weed and was going to come back and never came back. I don't know how many people really ever believed that. So uh, as Paula has said, typed in here, that uh, the sentencing phase begins tomorrow. I anticipate him getting a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of time, and uh, as he should. Very, I feel very uh, sad for Melinda, but you know, this is what families want. They want these answers. They want these conclusions, no matter what that conclusion might be. Remember what a lot of these guests say: the not knowing is the worst part. The not knowing is the worst part. And at least for Zoe's family, now they know. Uh, Marlene, good evening, everyone. almost forgot this time. Had pizza and wings tonight. Thanks for rubbing it in, Marlene. What kind of wings? uh, What kind of wing sauce there, Marlene? I need to know. And uh, Marlene, we finally got some new earbuds. Okay, earbuds. Can't really do... um, earbuds. I, I don't like things being in my ears. I just like regular headphones. Okay, moving on. Uh, another unfound um, topic. You know, we do the newsletter. I know many of you are all already on the email list, but you know I do an audio version of that now, and it's on the uh, channel uh, right now. I, I got that done yesterday. All I really do is put the audio... What I do is I, of course, type out the newsletter, and then to edit it, I read it and record it. That's how I edit. And then that recording a week later then is put out with uh, a picture, a newsletter, and fun newsletter, August 2022. It is now here on the channel, so maybe you want to listen to that um, in your spare time. And uh, if you are not yet on the email list... But you should be on the email list. If you want to be on the email list, just email me at unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. Before I go any further, please give this video a thumbs up. I know we've gotten some more uh, listeners and viewers tonight uh, since I started when I first said this. So if you've come in late, do not forget to give this video a thumbs up. Paula, I know how people are out there here in West Texas. I would have gone with the judge deciding my sentence. Wow. All right, Paula. So Paula's saying that maybe the, the decision to have the the, the commoners uh, give the sentence out might not be the best choice for Carlos. I guess we'll see, Paula. I guess we'll see. Marlene says uh, honey barbecue wings. It's okay. Uh, Not my most favorite, but I'd eat those. Ranch dip, uh, I'm more of a blue cheese guy, Marlene, but that's okay. Domino's, I love Domino's pizza. Way to rub it in. You're making everybody hungry, Marlene. Nicely done. Uh, Moving on, some more unfound stuff. I just have a couple more things here. And then I do want to get into some national news. I want to talk about Kylie Rodney. And a couple other national stories that have come up in kind of the past week. I want to remind all of you, once again, I'm going to keep doing this until it happens. And even after it happens, I'm going to be reminding you that this live show come the beginning of – I'm going to have to mute this, this thing. People are sending me messages during the live show, and the other computer's dinging. Um. This live show, as many of you know, is now part of the podcast feed for the Friday program. Okay? If you were signed up, if long ago on your podcast platform you subscribed to Unfound, the podcast, you now know that recently you now get this live show as an, in audio form in your feed. That is going to change the beginning of September. I'm going to start a separate feed for this live show all by itself. All right, so it will be like starting a new podcast. I'm just going to keep saying that. So, if I know many of you being you're taking the time on this Monday night to watch and everything and I think that's fantastic, I cannot thank all of you enough. But in the future, if you miss this show, and maybe you're you, maybe you're at the gym or something where the video is not convenient for you to be able to find this as an audio show on Spotify, iTunes, wherever else. You are going to have to subscribe to the new feed. To this, you'll be subscribed to the Friday episode feed. You will have to subscribe to this as well. I'm gonna keep saying that. I know if you're like, well, that's that's then. This is now. I'll keep reminding you. I'll keep reminding you. I'll keep reminding you, and the reason I'm doing that is because, um, just wanted to see out to try this out this summer. I think it's gone fairly well putting this live show in the same feed with the with the podcast, but I also notice that there has been a little bit of what we might call cannibalization. In that, and what I mean by that is when you have two podcasts on the same feed, you'll get your Friday episode. And if you don't, let's say you don't get to it, what a lot of people do, as I'm starting to notice, is that they'll just go to the top of their feed and see what has come up most recently. And so, what that means is if the Friday episode comes out on Friday, But you don't get to it, and then the live show feed comes out on Tuesday morning, then that one will be at the top of your feed, and you might miss that episode from the previous Friday. In the same way, if you miss the live show that comes out on Tuesday, when the Friday episode comes out, you'll miss that previous Tuesday's live show. I'm starting to notice this. Certainly, the downloads as the number goes on Spotify has been up. I mean, there's two shows on here now. But – I've noticed that given that I had some months of uh, of a track record from March until the end of May about what the regular Friday episodes were doing, those downloads have come down a little bit, and I think that's the reason. And now since they've come down at the beginning of June, everything has been solid. In fact, they've come up just a little bit. But this is – um. You know, I think the reason the numbers have come down for the Friday episodes a little bit is because the live show is now, once again, cannibalizing it. People just go right to the top of their feed and say, oh, this is the most recent one. Oh, this is the most recent one. Well, now they're going to be separate. So I'll just keep reminding you. Um, Marlene says, I love blue cheese also and buffalo sauce. Yes. Um, Keep reminding us. Yes. I'm going to keep reminding you. Uh, that's just, I I know I'm giving you some like inside baseball podcasting stuff, but you know how I, um, you know, I make you part of the process. I, I like to explain things to you. I never want you to feel like there's some big mystery about the decision I'm making here or the decision that I'm making there. Um, so, you know what's going on in my head not everything no Nobody really wants to be up in this head. but for anything regarding unfound I like the I like it that you know what my reasoning is, given some of the decisions once again, like moving this live show from Wednesdays to Mondays. There are reasons: one is it was because I was moving this into the podcast feed. Another one was that I started looking at my workflow from week to week and was thinking, you know, if I move this back to Monday, probably I'm going ge- to generate more time for myself or more time to work on the actual Friday episodes, which has certainly been the, s- the situation. I mean, it's just amazing. So that's the reason I did it, and that's w- what I've told all of you. So there you go. There's hope for change. Lake coming in this week. I listened again to the Mar- Marina Bolter case. Interview with her mother. Demarina's Marina's mother pass? Uh, first of all, there's hope for change. You're very generous. Uh, what there's hope is done. You see that big red or orange box in the chat. Um, she has contributed using the super chat button, which is this gray button with a little dollar sign in there. Uh, thank you so much. There's hope contributing to unfound um, through YouTube. Thank you so much. Um, did her mother pass? That's news to me. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but if I if I had heard that, I surely would have announced that there's hope. Um, however, what did happen is that um, in a completely different case, um, you know, the, the sister of Mandy Stokes, the brother of Mandy Stokes died recently. But Marina Bolter... That is news to me. I'm friends with her. I haven't spoken to her in quite a while, but uh, maybe there's hope you want to maybe expound on that a little bit and say why you think that I mean obviously, if somebody's offering condolences, I guess that's then that's pretty clear. But I've not heard anything but on the other hand, I haven't uh talked to her um. You know, I haven't talked to her. So is there some, once again, there's hope. Uh, did you see something somewhere that uh, leads you to believe that Marina's mother is deceased or, or what? Please, um, you know, please let all of us know regarding that. And I, of course, hope that's certainly not the case. Uh, I heard it on another YouTube channel. I don't know. And Caddy says, I read it from one of her other daughter's Facebooks. So maybe it is true then. Is Kathy, is that um Kathy, is that what you think you know as well? The Marina Bolter's mother died. It's very sad if that's the situation. Huh. Well, um certainly after I'm done with the show, uh I'll I mean if that's what's out there, then I don't have to look into it. I I certainly will take your words for it, but if that's the situation, then that's very, very sad. Kathy's saying yes, definitely. Okay. Then I guess it's official. Um, very sad. Uh, uh, For anybody watching this right now or listening afterwards, I'm just finding out about this on Monday night. It's about 10 after 10 Eastern time on August 15th, 2022. Um, very sad. I think that that would make guest. It's guest number six who has died. Yeah. All right. Uh, very sad to hear. I, um, I really didn't know anybody else in Marina's uh, family. Um, family seemed to have a lot of uh, things go- going on, even going back to the interview that I did with Marina's mother, a lot of accusations against Marina's sister. and But then after that, uh, the mother and the sister, you know, were friends again. A lot of things were going uh, on there. Uh, Seems like some very complex dynamics. And, um, but that's very sad. Very, very sad. Um, okay. Maybe uh, maybe next week I can talk a little bit more about that. I'm kind of um, caught off guard. And I'm just finding this out uh, as I'm doing this live show. Uh, there's hope. Uh, thank you for letting me know. Really, that is news to me. So, and I, once again, there's hope. Thank you for your generous contribution through Super Chat uh, tonight. Thank you. Moving on. Uh, I want to talk about this just very quickly in case... Uh, some of you uh, caught this. Um, I had someone send me uh, a message about, I'm not going to mention this other podcast. It certainly doesn't need uh, marketing from me. But on another podcast, uh, they were talking about Israel Keys. And you know how I feel about Israel Keys. He has to be the most overrated uh, serial killer in the history of ser- serial killers. But Somebody sent me a message, given that we just covered Justin Gaines' disappearance uh, not that long ago, a couple months ago. But uh, somebody messaged me saying, Well, you know that um, when they went to Israel Keys's, they found his computer, they had a long list. Uh, he had a long list of unsolved disappearances on his computer, and Justin Gaines was one of them and you know what do I think about that and so I had not heard this before that's news to me uh, i you know i don't you know i don't I don't know what to think of it, and so I ended up looking this up and If you any of you have heard about this or run across this, or maybe you even listened to this other podcast where they were talking about it, and you should know. I looked through this list, and it was kind of weird that quite a few unfound disappearances were on there, disappearances that we've covered, were in this list. But you also have to keep in mind something about all of this. Um... Many of those disappearances that are listed there are ones that people went missing when he was like you know maybe not even born yet or maybe just a child or early teens or something um you know this person wanted to know what I thought about it, and I have to say I'm not phased by it at all i I'm not I'm not phased by it at all. That to think, well, do you think that he caused Justin Gaines's disappearance? No, I don't. Do you think that he caused any of those other disappearances and that list of people that were on his computer? No, I don't. I don't. It's obvious to me that that list is just a list, just like a list uh, that you might find on anybody's computer if they take an interest in 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 disappearances and murders and everything else. Um, It very well could be, I'm open to the idea that the reason he had this list is because he was, you know, maybe studying up, maybe looking at the circumstances of these disappearances and trying to figure out how to get away with what he was going to do himself. I'm certainly open to that. But... To think that he is responsible for any of the disappearances on on this uh, on this list is crazy. I continue to state that he's become like uh, the boogeyman. Uh, any unexplained something, we'll just go look at Israel Keys. Uh, do I think that people who say this really believe that? No, I don't. I think they're just looking for something to talk about, and you know that's not. Um, you know, what we do here. We don't talk about things just to talk about things. We talk about things, we bring things up to learn things, to make people aware of things. And we just don't bring up things just to shoot the crap. And this is what that sounds like to me. Um, you know, I'm not saying that people on that list weren't murdered. I think I remember seeing Ma- Kristen Mottaferri's. Disappearance on that list, and that's going back to like the 1990s. Um, Israel Keyes did not murder Kristen Monteferi. Now, somebody else might have, and we kind of explored that idea back at the time when we covered that disappearance. Um, But it's just a list, just a list of people. All missing, all very sad. I hope all those disappearances on that list get solved eventually, one way or the other. But uh, I don't believe that Israel Keys had anything to do with any of them. And and as I continue to state, um, we have to all remember how Israel Keys ultimately got caught. He got caught like a chump. He got caught using the girl that he killed uh, what was it? ATM card, credit card, no different than somebody who knocks over a Seven Eleven and somebody happens to be there, and the guy takes the wallet, goes down the street, and tries to buy video games with the, with the 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 victim's credit card. No different than that. Like a chump, like like a stupid, you know, stupid idiot. So why? Do they assign all of these things to Israel Keys? I don't understand. I get it. Okay, once he hid these tools or items and, um, you know, and then he killed that couple up in the northeastern eastern United States. You know, as far as everything else, all we have is his word that he did these things. Then he went here and he went there, and I'm sure there's credit card receipts, And they weren't able to track him down and and everything else. Doesn't mean anything. You have to look at Israel keys like you do at these uh, serial killers who claim that they've killed, you know, a hundred people and there's only proof that they killed three. They'll take credit for all sorts of crazy things just because they love the attention. You know they're hap. They're more than happy to lead law enforcement on wild goose chases all over the world. Oh yeah, I put a body here. I body put a body there. They go there, nothing there. They're just they're evil, evil people, and they are liars. So, but I think this comes up. Everybody's so fascinated by him, and and I, you know. Really, since having started this six years ago, being that he's come up a couple times, to me, Israel Keys is one of the least interesting figures that we've talked about. You know, I think in the grand scheme of things, we can learn much more by, you know, examining the, uh, Dennis Bowman than we can from Israel Keys. We can learn much more about you know for about disappearances and murders from Carlos Rodriguez than we can learn from Israel Keys. That's that's the way I look at it. So if anybody's seen any of that, here that's my opinion on it. Uh let's see what everybody is saying here. De uh 666 uh with the crowns energy, 66 number of the beast. Okay. Um Marlene, Ed. Speaking of family, in case you mentioned Ginny Wood case, now I'm not hearing it anymore from your newsletter, or current – Well, the thing is, uh, Marlene, is yes, that was in the newsletter, but the issue is that, um, you know, we that is a group of people who went missing. Of course, Kelly Gaskins, Ginny Wood, and that Irvin. I forget his last name. Uh, I would like to cover all of it at one time and all of the, all of these circumstances and everything at one time. And the problem has been, I've not been able to reach Virginia, Jenny Wood's mother. And so I've talked to Kelly Gaskin's mother. In fact, I just spoke to her recently, but I think to get the full, full, full view of everything, uh, I have to talk to Jenny Wood's mother, too, and I haven't been able to do that, so I don't want to make any promises on that. But that's what's going on with that. Marlene's very, very good question, uh, and I, I thank you for asking me. Um, Fairy Magic says, Israel keys all over the PNW, Pacific Northwest. Yep, uh, Fairy, once again, I think he's one of the most overrated serial killers in the history of the United States. Um, Stacy says that one serial killer, Otis Tool, kept bragging about murders he didn't commit. Yeah, totally true. Uh, sometimes I'm mistaken, but Marina's mom passed away and was homeless and in poor health and oh, she was homeless, Kathy? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Very sad. Wow, okay. Marlene for running, Keith. Um yeah, Monica's home. Yeah. Those are some uh Ivory Teeler, man, Monica Appleton. Yes, okay. Um Kathy Marlene, I started okay, Marlene, Marlene. Mar- I got it on Tammy Wood her Mother. I hope you'll be able to able to keep us posted. Thanks, Ed. You're welcome, Marlene. It's a good question. Very good question. Thank you. Uh, one more item before I get into this national news stuff. Uh, Unfound on the ground, uh, you know that's something that we do for uh, premium Patreon members, but we then make it public after about a month. That will be made public, uh, and tonight, uh, tonight after the live shows over, and that is a discussion of the disappearance of Amelia Earhart. So, if you're into that, you can see my assistant Eric uh, present that. And with some help from some of the think tank members, it will be made public. Uh, It's unlisted right now, but it will be made public uh, after the live show tonight. So if you're into the disappearance of Amelia Earhart, maybe you want to take a look at that. Uh, Maybe tomorrow. Maybe it's getting a little late tonight. But once it's made public, it will be uh, public forever. So we're kind of – if you get an idea, we've kind of changed things up and unfound on the ground. We're now covering – very well-known uh disappearances using what we think we've learned about disappearances applying those principles those theories to very well-known disappearances that's what's now going on uh, for unfound on the ground once again that is something that premium patreon members get and that is patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast all right let's move on to this uh and uh, i i'm going to talk about this next disappearance um Surely knowing that this could be a future unfound now. I'm not saying it's going to be the next one. But if her this uh, young woman's disappearance continues maybe to the end of September, then uh, I, I surely will think about making uh, her the topic of an unfound now. But I want to talk about Kylie Rodney. Um, she went to this big uh, party. At this uh, park, Uh, and she is from Truckee, um, California, and she was there, and then seemingly she said she was um, going to be coming home and then never made it. This happened on August 6th, and here we are on August 15th, so a week and a half later, and she is still missing. But not only is she missing – but her Honda CRV, which is a, a smaller SUV, is also missing. And I just want to read. I've been kind of following this. I'm going to guess many of you maybe know a lot more of the particulars uh, than I do. But I just wanted to comment on it, give some insight. Um, as far as I see it right now, uh, you know, nine days into this disappearance, but. It was around 1230 a.m. August 6th, the day she went missing from a party of over 200 to 300 teens and young adults at the Prosser family campground in Truckee. According to Kylie's mother, Lindsay, uh, Kylie sent her final text that she said she would be straight home in about 45 minutes. A friend said Kylie planned on spending the night at the campground and was too intoxicated to drive. So, This is something that even just that sentence, and I don't have much more to read as far as anything from an article, but already just in that paragraph, you see a contradiction. So on one hand, uh, Kylie sent this text saying she would be home in 45 minutes, but a friend of Kylie said that she was planning on spending the night at the campground and that she was too intoxicated to drive. Which is it? So, and I'm not here to to tell you what I think happened. I'm not ready to do that yet. Um, Surely I do not know enough about this disappearance to um, have a solid conclusion. But I'm just going to point out some things that caught my eye is that, you know, when you have a contradiction like this, and this is certainly a contradiction. Friend says she was going to spend the night at the campground, but Kylie sent a text saying she was going to be home. We know how we feel about texts. We know how we feel about that. It certainly might have been Kylie. But being that there is a contradiction there, I think we have to be open to the idea that Kylie didn't send that text. I'm not saying I believe that, but anytime you have a contradiction, you have to start looking at, well, is this really true? Now, on the other hand, maybe you want to believe the text, but you don't want to believe the friend. Then the question will be, well, if Kylie said she was planning on spending the the night at the campground, then what did the friend think? Did the friend not see Kylie drive away? or, Or what happened? We could look at it that way. Now, at this party, you will not be surprised, but there are a lot of underage people there. Still, they were drinking. I'm sure there were drugs there. I'm not saying everybody's shooting up on heroin, but we might think about marijuana. We might think about ecstasy, things like that. And I've not had a chance to look at any maps yet. Uh, Are there any bodies of water in the area? This is something that certainly is going to have to be considered. But I think nine days in, these things would have been checked out by now. And. But I think what we know about this is when a person disappears with her in their own car, that usually when either or is found, the other is also found. You know, when you get to an extended period of time. And so it just is going to depend on how long this disappearance lasts of both Kylie and her vehicle. Um. You know, my my impression is that she was not, you know, she said, uh, once again, if we're to believe this is her, the text from her, she said she would be straight home in about 45 minutes. Does that mean that she was going to be home in 45 minutes, or does that mean she was going to leave in 45 minutes? Kind of hard to tell, at least the way this is written. Certainly open to the idea of foul play. But I'm also very open to the idea that this is a situation where somebody who was driving who shouldn't have been, and then we have to start looking at a scenario like Esther Westenbarger, who only had a mile and a half ago or to go, couldn't do it, couldn't make it, drove right through that T intersection. She was on the wrong road, right through that T intersection into that pond. Of course, I'm hoping that's not what happened here. I hope Kylie is alive and. Something very strange happened. Maybe she had some sort of, um, you know, mental condition, and she's going to be found at a rest stop, I don't know, in Idaho somewhere, you know, and just kind of out of a stupor, and it's like, you know, what's going on here? I, of course, hope that. We know the odds of that, not very likely, but that's what I'm hoping. But I think we're also seeing here, being that I'm inclined to believe that I'm not saying that they've sent divers down. I know that somebody's already put in here that Adventures with Purpose is there now to help with search of the water. Fine. But we have to remember something it's a lot harder to find people and vehicles on land than it is trying to find them in water. And so if she did. If she was on the way home and fell asleep at the wheel and went off some curve, if she was going 40, 45 miles an hour and didn't hit too many trees, she could be way – The car could be way off the road, way off the road. Even if she hit some trees, you get an SUV that's what, 3,500 pounds, 4,000 pounds going at, let's just say, 40 miles an hour going to go a long way and of course this is something that i still continue to believe regarding um audra heron's disappearance she's still missing with her vehicle i continue to believe that she took some other way home and fell asleep at the wheel or had some medical event drove off the road and she just hasn't been found yet let's hope this disappearance doesn't last as long as that one let's hope that kylie was is found alive certainly could be open to foul play but then we have to start thinking about you know what exactly was the situation did she get carjacked from the party and nobody noticed that did she leave with some guy and he's continuing to hide her vehicle somewhere i suppose that's possible but You know, we're not hearing anything about, of course, any other teenagers being missing from this party. It seems like a lot of the uh, people who are at this party are talking out on social media. I don't see anybody saying, well, you know, there was this guy. doesn't seem like anything like that's going on. But I think we have to remember that, you know, I have it in my notes. When you get drugs and alcohol involved... And I'm not here to make – you know I'm against all that stuff, but I'm not here to make a judgment. But we know when those things are involved, anything is possible. The problem probably right now is everybody is thinking too logically. Well, Kylie was here. She lives over here. So if she left, she has to be between point A and point B somewhere in there. That is not logical. It it would be logical if we knew that she was clean and sober – had every intention in the world of actually driving from the party back home. We can't make that declaration. She could have gone in any direction. She could have gone in any direction. If she was supposed to drive east home, she could have driven west. If she was supposed to drive north home, she could have gone south and kept going, not realizing what she was doing. And this is, uh, and I've talked about this before, our logic can sometimes be a hindrance to making good choices when it comes to searches and analyzing disappearances. Sometimes we look at things too logically because we conveniently th- leave things out. Now, I know many of you, you know, and I can't speak to this. I've never done drugs. I've never been drunk. But I know many of you have been drunk, for example. And you know, sometimes you make decisions that later don't make any sense. So, this is how we have to look at disappearances like Kylie's. That searching for obviously makes sense. Searching in bodies of water makes sense. Searching off roads makes sense. But what bodies of water? Which roads? In what direction? If it were me and I'm talking, you know, I'm leading this. You have to look in every every direction on the compass, not just one, just because you think she would have been going that direction. so that's uh how I feel about it. Of course, many of you who really, really really really, really know disappearances um you know maybe this reminds you of Madison Scott's disappearance. I will tell you this is a disappearance that we've tried to cover for unfound, but we've been been unsuccessful so far. A little bit different in that um, Madison's went missing, but her truck did not. In fact, her truck was still at the campground. Um, Most of her stuff was still there. Her tent was still there. So Kylie's, in that respect, is a little bit different. But given both of them, I, I think I would lean more toward a foul play scenario in Madison Scott's disappearance, being that her truck was still there, in contrast to Kylie's. That's the way I look at it, but I also have to be honest, I'm not convinced that foul play occurred in Madison Scott's disappearance. I'm not convinced of that at all. I know many people are well she was there, and then she's missing, and maybe she went with some guy, and you know she went there with this friend, and then the friend and the guy left, and they didn't seem to you know they seem to have problems with Madison and everything else. But I'm not convinced that uh, despite all the searches that they did for Madison and everything else, uh, I'm not convinced that that foul play occurred in hers. So given that, I guess I'm leaning – I'm not here to make an absolute 100% declaration. But what I would say is there's nothing that I've heard or read or seen in Kylie's disappearance yet to believe it's foul play. Now – you should know, I um, you know, I said the same thing with Dylan Rounds, and everybody, when I – that Unfound Now came out a couple months ago. If you look at some of the comments that were made and everything, it's like everybody thought this was going to be solved right away, and it's those guys who live right down the street, and it's, it's all so obvious. It's still unsolved. He still hasn't been found. And I think if you watch that Unfound Now, you know what I said. There's nothing in here that seems to me to point toward foul play. Fact is, Dylan Rounds had a lot of things going on. So with Kylie, maybe it's something different. Maybe she didn't have a lot of things going on necessarily. But uh, if she tried to drive away from that party, she shouldn't have tried to attempt to do that. So... Uh, that's really all I have to say about it for now. Uh, like I said, I'm hoping that she's found alive tomorrow, but um, if that doesn't happen and we get to maybe the end of September, then I will certainly consider her disappearance as the uh, as an Unfound Now episode. But that's, like I said, that's like 45 days from now, and I'm certainly hoping that she's found alive. By the way, going one more thing back to uh, Carlos Rodriguez and Zoe Campos, I'm certainly uh, happy that uh, he's being brought to justice. Certainly. I wish Zoe Campos, she had been found alive. Certainly. But if he murdered her, then he's going to have to pay the price. That's the way we do things here on this earth. Maybe we'll have to, if you believe in that type of thing, maybe we'll have to meet uh, his maker in the spiritual world, if you believe in that type of thing. Probably the only thing I'm a little saddened by is that I certainly would have liked to have heard you know what they were going to try to explain regarding this, and that might also help us for future disappearances. Um so that's probably you know, this kind of what gives like with the trial with for Steve Pankey. We certainly all know a lot more about the, the day that Janelle disappeared and was murdered than we ever would have known if Steve Pankey actually was guilty and would have taken a plea. You know, sometimes these trials can help us uh in our education of disappearances and murders. So we're not gonna get that uh for Carlos Rodriguez. A little saddened by it. But um most important thing is he's being brought to justice. All right, moving on. Did you all see? Uh, let me um see what everybody is saying, uh, certainly about Kylie. Um, Kathy says, following Kylie's disappearance, not too far from where Jennifer Caspar Ross disappeared in Reno. Yeah, all that area is very close together. You, uh, Nevada and California, certainly true. I doubt they're related, though, Kathy. Uh, I've been following this case, Kylie's, and there's a lot of her stuff, her friends, uh, suspicious stuff, her friends, for one. Well, I don't know what to make of that, Puma. Um, I'm sure they're all a little uh, nervous about really revealing everything that was going on at the party because they were doing things at the party they shouldn't have been doing. Uh, Adventures with Purpose, I, I, I hope that Adventures with Purpose can help. But we just have to remember that uh, many more cars and people go missing on land than they do in water. Um, Yeah, it could be questionable. Kathy says, there's lots of contradictions. The one sweatshirt she wears said something about disappearing. It didn't say anything about disappearing, Ferry. It had said something about odd future, I think is what it said. Um... Thomas says, I think that the friends hold the answers for Kylie's disappearance. I don't know. Majra um, Marlin, Audrey Heron, 20 years a year. Yeah, coming up. Yep. Marlin says, Dana Smithers was a good one on Unfound Now. Thank you, Marlin. All right, let's move on to this. Uh, we got about 17 minutes left. I'm going to read this article as quickly as I can. It's not ex- clear exactly how long a man who called himself Barry O'Byrne Lived a quiet life in Daly City, the sleepy suburb a few miles south of, south of San Francisco. It's also not clear what he was doing on the morning of Wednesday, June 6, 2018, when after 35 years, Air Force special agents knocked on his door and arrested him for desertion. I don't know how many of you saw this story. The jigsaw puzzle of William Howard Hughes Jr.'s life has many missing pieces. After disappearing into thin air in 1983, So almost 40 years ago, he was wanted across the globe by numerous agencies from the Air Force to the FBI to Airpool. At one point, it was thought he defected to the Russians. Some suggested he sabotaged the the disastrous Challenger space shuttle launch. Even after this recent capture, much of this unlikely story remains a mystery for the ages. Here's what we found out. Born in Seattle in 1950 to a father who worked in the airline industry, Hughes had three sisters. He left the Pacific Northwest in his 20s to embark on a career in the Air Force, where he enlisted in 19, 1973. By the age of 33, he was a captain of Kirtland, uh, at Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, where he gained top-secret access working on a NATO program that controlled missile launches and missile warning systems. Hughes bought a modest home in Albuquerque, near the base, and lived alone. In July of 1983, he transferred to the Netherlands for a short trip to work on the same technology there. He was due to report back to Kirtland on August 1st, coincidentally my birthday. Hughes never returned to his air base. The Air Force revealed that he was seen withdrawing money from various ATMs in Albuquerque in late July. The Air Force reported that $28,500 was withdrawn from his account at 19 different locations. A search of his home on Chandel Loop found to-do lists and books to read upon his return. His car was later found at Albuquerque International Airport. William Howard Hughes was officially classified as absent without leave AWOL on August 10th, 1983. At the same, at that time in New York City, 37, oh, I'm not going to read that. The disappearance of Howard uh, Hughes came during the dark dying days of the Cold War. The U.S. government would later describe the likelihood of a nuclear strike that fall of 1983 is resting on a hair trigger with his recent trip to europe in mind when asked if there was a possibility that hughes had defected to the russians an air force captain at kirtland told an arizona journal reporter that has to be an option he wasn't accused of being a spy but on december uh, 5th, 9th hughes was declared a deserter that was 1983 a crime punishable with five years imprisonment or execution in a time of war The story became front page news in January, five months after his vanishing, when his photograph was published in the Chicago Tribune after the Air Force sent it out to police departments across the country. Pentagon officials confirmed that a captain with top secret access is missing under mysterious circumstances. With Cold War paranoia high, the FBI tried to downplay fears, telling the press that there is no indication of espionage at this point. After years of silence, Hughes sisters in Seattle spoke out pushing back on the idea that their brother was a spy, instead stating he was likely abducted. Sister Christine Hughes described his disappearance as totally out of character for the bill we knew. We do not feel he disappeared voluntarily. In a prepared statement, the family added that William was a brilliant, dedicated man who phoned his parents regularly before he vanished. A family reunion had been planned for the fall, and Hughes was always careful to notify his family of his whereabouts. Police forces across the country and numerous numerous military and international agencies tried to find Hughes with no success. The Air Force said they interviewed friends and co-workers to no avail. In an interview with the Seattle Times a year later, Hughes' sister Christine described the family's heartache. The holidays are the worst time. We make sure we're together to try to help each other through. Hughes' name was next aired in the press by an acclaimed journalist, Journalist, credited with breaking the Bay of Pigs invasion in 1961, New York Times foreign correspondent, Tad Zulk. In his 1986 LA Times story titled, Sabotaged Missile Launches, Zulk noted a bizarre pattern of failed space rocket and missile launches by the U.S. and France in recent months. Three launches of aircraft with U.S. surveillance satellites aboard, including the Challenger Space Shuttle that launched from Cape Canaveral on January 28th and exploded 73 seconds later, killing all seven crew members. Were named as potentially caused by sabotage. Those failures resulted in the U.S. having no ability to monitor Russia's nuclear deployment. In the article, Zulk named only one possible suspect, William Howard Hughes, as the potential saboteur, claiming his Pentagon sources told him as much. They see a clear link between Hughes and possible sabotage of the American and French launches. He is worth his weight in gold to the Russians. As the Cold War started to thaw, the story and the missing Air Force captain were largely forgotten to the media. A search through the archives reveals William Howard Hughes's name was not mentioned once in the press between 1987 and 2017, so 30 years. In June 2018, U.S. Department of State special agents traveled to Daly City near San Francisco, on a passport fraud investigation to interview a man living as Barry Timothy O'Bearn. After being confronted with inconsistencies about his identity, my hair is in the way, the individual admitted his true name was William Howard Hughes Jr. and that he deserted from the U.S. Air Force in 1983, the Air Force News release read. On the quiet suburban street of Michelle Lane, just a couple miles, miles south of San Francisco's city limit, Hughes had been living with his wife in a modest two-bed, two-bathroom townhouse. Neighbors of the men they knew simply as Tim were surprised to learn they were living next to the Air Force's most wanted man. He was very pleasant, Daily Citizen, Daily City resident, June Deo told reporters when shown his paragra- uh, photograph. That's him, but he always had his giant's hat on. We see him at the gym all the time, another neighbor, Barbara Laurel, told CNN. But when he works out, he just uses the treadmill and doesn't really interact with anybody. Reportedly, a very private man, Tim, was assumed to be retired by his neighbors and known for little beyond his devotion to the San Francisco Giants. I guess you never know a person until you dig deep, another neighbor told TV news crews. Hughes was later revealed to have worked as a consultant and actuary for the University of California in Oakland during the 2000s under the name Barry Timothy O'Bearns. Colleagues that, re- that remembered him in only positive terms. He is very smart. Always had a wry sense of humor. Always joking. When arrested, Hughes was taken to the Travis Air Force Base in Fairfield. There he told investigators he was not a spy. He claimed he became depressed about being in the Air Force back. Um. The guy's back. Uh, when arrested, uh, he was taken. He would say he, sim- he simply left, changed his identity, has and lived in California ever since. Facing up to years of confinement, forfeiture of his pay, and a dishonorable discharge, military court records reveal Hughes was found guilty of desertion and was sentenced to 45 days in military prison in September 2018. He subsequently lost an appeal a month later. It seems possible that Hughes' wife didn't know his true identity either. San Mateo County records reveal that the woman who took his fake last name filed for a marriage annulment two months after his arrest. Why did Hughes not resign his commission to the Air Force? What pushed him to change his identity and caused his family pain for decades? Was it just a coincidence that the captain with a top-secret clearance worked on a highly classified missile tech, became disillusioned with the work, and walked out the peak of the Cold War without telling a soul? Maybe... Hughes's explanation was true. The pressure of working with NATO during a time of nuclear threat is no small burden. We'll never know the intricacies of what happened in his life, but maybe the opportunity to clean the slate and live an anonymous life, saying hi to neighbors, running the treadmill and watching the giants felt like the only way forward. It's unclear if Hughes's once heartbroken siblings ever reconnected with their brother. They haven't spoken, spoken publicly since his arrest. William Howard Hughes's current whereabouts are unknown. SF Gate reached out to the Air Force Office of Special Investigations for further details on the case, but had not heard back at the time of the publication. So, I guess what this proves is if you want to do it bad enough, you can disappear and, uh, you know, live a normal, uh, another life under an assumed name and everything else. Being that we just talked about Brenda Davidson at the beginning of this show, I guess we have to keep that open to the idea but you know what's clear to me not clear to me is you know how did um passport fraud how was it that that was what got him caught did he uh you know did he not travel anywhere over all of these years and then suddenly decided to travel somewhere and that's what tipped them off you know i don't know i have a passport but You know, I I, I don't, that's what got him caught. I would like to hear more about this, and I don't know if we ever will, but it's just amazing that it took all these years to finally get caught due to passport fraud. What also caught my ear was that, you know, after all that, he only spent 45 days in military prison. (laughs) You'd think it'd be a lot more. Uh, That's something else that surprised me. And the other thing I don't understand is, why did his wife leave him? I mean, you know, he's still the same guy. He just has a different name. Were they not happily married? Um, it's just, uh, I just thought, just some bizarre things about that. The passport fraud, only 45 days in military prison. And, um, you know, his wife leaving him. But I think what I'm also saying, and and of course, it's a bizarre story. We cover disappearances. We sometimes think about, is it possible that somebody really did run off and change their name and become a new person? I guess this shows once again that it can be done. But I think it also shows how crazy some of the allegations can be. It's obvious to me this guy had nothing to do with any spying or sabotage or anything else. In fact, we now know why the Challenger crashed. A lot of engineers made some very, very bad decisions. Um, you know, and all this other stuff. Uh, and I think, dare I say it, if these were the facts for a disappearance that we happened to cover on and found. I'd certainly be thinking that this person ran off and started a new life somewhere. You know, all this, you know, stuff about the Russians and spying and everything. It's just crazy. But this, you know, it just shows you though that, you know, the FBI and the Air Force, you know what? I'm not sure that they under any understand anything more about disappearances now in 2022 than they did when this guy disappeared in nineteen eighty-three. So what a wild, wild story. But I wanted to pass it along to you. Um, So I wonder where this guy is now. I wonder if he's now living under another assumed name, another new name, given all this attention and everything. And it's also not clear to me why this is all just coming out now. This all happened back in 2018, and now we are in 2022 when finally – it's getting out you know in the media. I don't know why it's taken this long. I don't know. So maybe you want to check that story out. you Google it, you can read. there's many different articles that have um, come out about it. I just picked that one to read. So I guess it is possible to uh, take off, run away, change your name, start a new life, uh, work for a college, and nobody knows the difference. Uh, there's hope. Well, it's crazy. Daly City is right across the bay from me. Sounds like you just wanted out and no danger to anyone. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. There's hope. Uh, uh, Alicia, thank you. Okay, there's hope. My parents live in Los Gatos. Cool. I'm in San Leandro. Okay, everybody's talking back and forth about that area. Okay, let's get to this Friday's disappearance the disappearance of Milda McQuillan. And if you remember last week, uh, we covered a disappearance from 1974. Well, this year, uh, this week, we're only moving up one year to 1975, Uh, June 17th, 1975, to be specific. This disappearance happened in Ponsford, Minnesota. Uh, Milna McQuillan was 71 years old, so probably one of the older people uh that we've covered on unfound i think maybe jack Hemby was uh older ed hardy uh senior or junior i think was older but she's certainly probably in the top five but uh the interviews we did a dual interview uh on zoom with interview with Lorelai, who i mentioned very early in the show tonight Lorelai voigt who is her granddaughter And also independent investigator Joe Kistner, K-I-S-T-N-E-R. And this episode is going to be called In the Sticks. Because we have a situation where Milda, who's 71 years old, uh, that day planned to go see this couple who she had been introduced to by a former next door neighbor, a friend of hers. And Milda was going to drive, maybe a 20-mile a drive, a 20-minute drive, to their place that was kind of up uh, north of her, near this lake in Minnesota, and she was going to go visit them. Well, allegedly, she never made it. And at the time, Milda was living with her sister, Ida. When Milda did not get home that night, uh, you know, she started calling around, couldn't track and down called the people the Builder was supposed to meet. They said, nope, she never made it here. So of course the disappearance starts. Well, Milda's car was eventually found and it really didn't take that long to find it. And it really was not that far from her destination. However, it was found on a very, very rough logging road that surely was not meant for the kind of car she was driving. And in fact, to hear it, only locals really even knew that this road even existed. It wasn't used anymore. It was really overgrown with brush. You really, if you drove by it on the regular paved road, you wouldn't even know it was there. But her car was found down this back, deserted trail that had not been the kind of a logging road that had not been used for a long time. Searches were done. Of course, she was not found, but… Probably the thing that sticks out to everybody is there were two searches done, one right that next day uh, or that day when her car was found. Nothing is found. Well, then a couple days later, another group comes in to do the search, and about um, a quarter mile away from her car, a couple pieces of clothing were found that surely were Milda's. The issue, though, was that area had been searched two days before that, and those items allegedly weren't there. So once again, that'll be this Friday. Milda McQuillan, M-C-Q-U-I-L-L-A-N, June 17th, 1975. Ponsford, Minnesota, interview with her granddaughter, Lorelai Voigt, and independent investigators working with uh, Lorelai, Joe Kistner. And the episode is called In the Sticks. So that's what we got for uh, this August 15th. 2022 live show talk disc golf trivia um started getting to the gym a little bit maybe we're getting assigned parking here talked about cantaloupe and allergies the brenda davidson poll we talked about uh the upcoming episodes We talked about the zoe campus trial carlos rodriguez is pled out he's going to be sentenced starting tomorrow newsletter version um Justin Gaines and Israel Keys. Unfound on the Ground will be made uh, public for everyone after we, this show is done. Talked about the disappearance of Kylie Rodney. Talked about uh, – didn't get to that story. Maybe next week for this other story. Talked about this guy who deserted the Air Force and was finally found 35 years later. Finished up with this Friday's episode, The Disappearance of Milita McQuillan. That's all I got. Thank you all for taking in this two-hour live show. Uh, Good night to anyone. Charles, uh, take it easy. Hey, Charles, you take it easy in Colorado. And uh, you'll, of course, see me uh, if you choose to on YouTube. uh, You'll at least hear me on Friday when this uh, next episode comes out so great show thank you all give this video a thumbs up if you're listening give it a 5 star review whatever app you're using everybody take care out there since Sheree isn't here to say it I'll say it keep your heads on swivels